0: So talking about prayer, right? Prayer and how to do it, right? Well, at the beginning, it gives us two things not to do, right? How not to pray. So let's start there. How do we not pray? How does God not want us to pray? First thing he talks about: don't pray like the hypocrites at the synagogue that just stand out in the street corner and pray to look good, right? It's not meant to be a prayer to make ourselves look good for others around us, right? Just like we don't give to make ourselves look good, right? What, who are we praying to? Why are we praying is where we're supposed to focus at. So we don't want to be prayed just to be seen by man, right? Because if that's what we're doing, then we're going to get that reward here on earth, right? We're going to get that praise and everything's going to look feel good in those moments, Right, we all know those people who, who get up and they, they always want to be the center of attention, so they get up and they start praying as big words as they can and try to make it like ten ten hours long, right? And it may not be that way, but it feels sometimes like people are praying just to get that that earthly praise from man. Right, I remember we were in New Orleans and uh and people would stand out of the street corner sometimes and they would yell at people for being out in certain areas of town, and they would pray out loud and, and condemn people as they were doing it to be heard, not for God's glory, but so that they could be heard themselves and look good for other people like that. I look like a great Christian because I'm out here praying loudly where everybody can hear, hear this. Jesus is saying, don't make your focus of prayer for earthly pleasure, Okay? You see the theme that we've been walking through the last few months, right? It's not about earthly pleasure in everything that we do. It's about God's kingdom. And here he's saying, even in our prayer life, we have to be careful not to make an earthly pleasure. And it says, don't, don't pray like the Gentiles and just babble, right? And just don't just say words just to say words and just to get up there and keep speaking and keep speaking, right? Right? Um, Pray like you're talking to the God who saved you. Right? It's not about how many words you say and how many times you repeat it. It's about having a conversation with with your Savior, your Father. What is your goal in saying the words? Spend time. Love the God who loves you. Because that's what He wants to do, is spend time with you. But then it goes on, how to pray, right? And so, Follows up, pray in private with your focus on the Father. Right? Jesus says, don't pray on the street corners like the hypocrites do, but go into a, a closet and pray. Spend time alone. Right? Now, Does that mean you can't pray in public, out in public? Yeah. Can you pray in private in the middle of a large group of people? Yeah. Right? We can sit on a bus and pray and we don't have to make a big show of it. Right? We don't have to get on, the, get on the bus and get on our knees and get on the seat, right? We can pray in our thoughts, and our mind, in private. We're, we're not making a show of it. People don't have to know that we're praying. But God's, God, that's the kind of what God wants, is that you're praying to him not to be show to people, but just to honor him. I was reading an article this week about a, um, about a coach who had a, what he would always do after games, he'd go to the 50-yard line, he would take a knee and pray. And the school didn't really want him doing that. They were focusing. At first, I was like, well, there's nothing wrong with him doing it. He's not forcing people to do it. But then as I was reading this this week, what was his heart's matter in that? And why couldn't he just stand there and pray silently without taking a knee and still be doing the same prayer? Instead of making a show where everybody saw it, Right. He may not have started it that way, but in the end, he said it became a distraction of his prayer to God. And it became, I have to pray, and I have to do it this way, and that's the only way I can do it. And everybody's watching it now. So it started as maybe an innocent, I'm going to spend time with God, I'm going to go pray here. It became something more. When it says to don't babble like the Gentiles, but have a conversation with the Father. Right? It's different when you just sit there and babble with somebody. And you just, I call it uh, kind of just throwing up words sometimes, right? We get into a conversation and, and we're just throwing things. We're just throwing things, throwing, constantly saying it, saying it, saying it, right? We've all, we've all been in those situations where either we've just had so much to get off that we just keep saying it, saying it, saying it. And it's really just babbling. We're not looking for what God's wisdom is there. We're, not, we're just saying things to God instead of having a conversation. But what's the difference between having a conversation and babbling to God? Well, we're babbling, we can't listen for him to speak back to us because we're so busy speaking to him and telling him that we're not having a conversation with God and letting his wisdom seek into us. I you know that's something that outside of the christian world that they just don't understand like how can we have that conversation with god like they think of prayer as just talking to god but they they don't they they can't understand it necessarily that we're talking and we pause and we can listen to god speak back to us because it's not a loud audible voice right but far too often as christians we just Get into a situation and we quit listening for God and we just start talking. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, this is going bad. God, this is this. And then we say amen and we walk away. And all we've done was told him everything, but we never paused to listen to what he had to say to us. Right? And we all say we've done that at least once, once this week. Right? Huh? And he loves to listen to us, but as a parent, do you want to you, imagine your kids just come up and they just they tell you all the problems in life and then they walk away and they don't listen for anything that you have wisdom, right? You know stuff that you can help them with the problem and all they do is they tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you, and then they walk away and they never want anything of the wisdom that you have for them. But we do that to God too. Even though we're smart. I think everyone here is pretty smart. I'm going to say that none of us are as smart as God. Okay? Not one of us. So then he goes on. He goes, so he tells them how not to pray and how to pray. And he says, so here's an example of how to pray. Here's how you should pray. All right, and this is the important piece today. And I'm going to tell you, was it hard listening to read the Lord's Prayer and saying, and everybody, everybody here is probably saying the King James version in the head as I was reading out loud. It was hard for me to read it in this version. All right, this is therefore you should pray like this: "Our Father in heaven," right? "Our Father in heaven." What? What is that? Right. We're acknowledging something there. One, we're acknowledging He's our Father if we're saved, right? Because we've been adopted by Him. It's something different to be, hey, a spirit God in heaven versus our father in heaven. But right? there's a different meaning there. Right? To just acknowledge that there's a heavenly being is different than to say that heavenly being is my father. Right? That'd be like if, uh, if I was a prince and I just said, hey, that guy over there is the king versus that's my father, the king. Right, what difference does that make to people around me? Right, if it's just, he's the king, I have, there's nothing special about me. When I can say that is my father. And so when I'm praying to him, I say, Father, you are in heaven. There's more to you than just being there. You are my father, and I want you to listen to me. And I want to listen to what you have to say to me. There's a love, there's a connection there that's more than just a person being there. So we acknowledge you that. And then Jesus says, your name be honored as holy. One of the King James turns, hallowed be thy name. Right? Not only are you the Father in heaven, but you are more than that. Right? You are holy. You are the creator of the world. You're always just. You're the ruler over all things. You're to be worshiped by all things, right? We could go on and on about all the different accolades we can give him. King of kings, Lord of lords, master, savior, merciful, loving, all-knowing, all-understanding, righteous, right? Right? There's so many titles that he has that that he is the ultimate of every aspect of everything. And so we have to remember that he's father, but he's also everything else. He's holier than anything. We talk about different standards in life, right? We talk about like what the standards are in our lives here on earth, right? There is an actual standard for what, what is afoot or a meter, or there's an actual number there that there's something that we measure that statement off of. And when we measure holy, it comes off of one person, and that's God. He is that standard. He is holy. And there's nothing else that can match it even close to it. When we measure perfection, it's God. Not us, but God. And so we acknowledge that as we speak to him, our Father in heaven your name be honored as holy. Then it goes on, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Your kingdom come here to earth. That your will is done as it is on earth that that is done in heaven. Everything is under God's control in heaven. Everybody obeys him completely in heaven. And so we as Christians, we're praying that 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 same control comes to the earth, and that everybody will obey him. Right? There's only one thing here on earth that doesn't obey God. That's us, the human beings. He's created? We're the only things that don't obey him, right? The oceans obey him. They, you notice how the oceans have a, always do the same thing. The moon always travels at the same pace. The Earth always spins at the same pace, right? Nature always follows the same rules, but we don't. See, God gave us something; He didn't give anything else on Earth. Free will. He gave us free will. He allows us to have it. He. It's not that we took it. He allowed us to have free will with Adam and Eve because he wanted beings that would choose to love him. The animals love him, but they don't have a choice. The oceans love him. They don't have a choice. Everything loves him, but they don't have a choice in it except for us. He says, I want to give you that choice. So our free will should, should lead us to allow him to use his kingdom in the way he wants. Right, we have the free will to choose to be obedient to God or to not be obedient to God. And what, we're saying, what Jesus is saying here is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, which means our will has to submit to his will as we walk through things. So as we pray for something that we really want, ultimately, what do we what do we want? What should we be asking for? Not my will, God, but your will. If this isn't what you want, then let me do it the way you want to. All right? We think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. What was he praying? If there's any other way, Father, then let it be. But If not, I will do as you ask me to do. You will not mind. And often that's what we have to ask. We have to be willing to say, this is what I would like, but God, if not, then let me follow what your plan is. Let me follow what your will is in this situation. And that's where we have to be at. And that's not always the easiest prayer to make. Right? Because our free will makes us selfish. Right? And Satan's saying that's not what you want. That may not be what, the funnest way. That may not be the easiest path. But we have to submit to that and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Your will here, your, your kingdom come here on earth through me. Allow me to be obedient. We have to remember his will over our will every day. And that's not an easy thing to do. Right? Because every day, every, every minute, we have to make that decision. We have to constantly say, not what I want, God, but what you want when it comes to situations. And he goes on, give us this day our daily bread. Right? Give us daily what we need. When we think of of a daily bread, my first thought goes to the Israelites in the wilderness when they didn't have the ability to go gather food, to go to the groceries to and buy the food they want, right? They're out there, they're praying, God, we don't have anything. And God says, I will give you something. Every morning, there'll be bread, manna sitting out outside for you. Take what you need for that day, but no more. I'll give you more tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And what did the Israelites do that first day? Right? They saw the manna there, and they all went and took as much as they could gather. They didn't worry about what, what the next day that God already said there'll be some for you. They tried to store it up for more because they were afraid of what the next day of not having it. And they worried about it. And when that food rotted that night and they woke up the next day, they complained like, God, we saved all this and you went to spoil. And God's response was, I told you only take what you need for yesterday. I'll provide new tomorrow and the next day. I'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about it. Their clothes through that whole time period, guess what? They never wore it out. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Like they have one outfit, and you, you wore it every day, and it never went bad. Never got torn up, it never rotted, you know. They wore those things for 40 years and they never went, never got ruined. And I'm betting they didn't even stink. I don't know. You I just couldn't tell, right? I don't know. There were not many baths in the desert, so they got a good sand scrubbing. But, but just imagine clothes out in the desert with the wind blowing and how easy that deteriorates stuff. But for 40 years, nothing deteriorated. All they had to do was step out the next day, out in the morning, and there's food laying on the ground for them to eat. All right? Give us that day, that daily bread, those things we need daily. See, so God's going to provide for us. And it may not be when we expect it. It may not be early, right? We may not be able to plan two weeks ahead that God has what's provided for us. They're waiting for us when we want it two weeks ahead of time. Sometimes he waits until the last moment to show that you trust him. Sometimes things have been planned out ahead of time. Now, I think I've told the story before, but when Becca was born, right, we didn't have a whole lot of money. I was going to miss an entire week's of work because I only worked half the week at the time. And so she was born the second half of the week and I worked the second half of the week. So I was going to miss an entire week's worth of work, which meant I wasn't going to get paid that week. And I stressed and I stressed and I stressed about it. And I prayed about it. And it wasn't until the day of, as we were getting ready to go to the hospital, I checked the mailbox and there was a check from a place in North Carolina that had no clue what was going on in my life. But God had burdened them to send a check to me that covered that money. Now, that wasn't something that happened that day. God had planned out a week, two weeks ahead of time for that check to be mailed to get there at that moment, that day that the need occurred. God will provide if we're following his plan. It doesn't mean we're gonna be super wealthy, drive the nicest cars, have the nicest house, Right? God's provision may be a thatched hut in the middle of the wilderness, eating rice. It may not be the easiest path in the human terms, but I can promise we'll be the happiest we've ever been if we're following God's plan, even if we're out there in the middle of the wilderness with what the world would say is nothing. And then it goes on, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those against us, right? Forgive us where we fail you as we forgive people who fail us. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody? Mistreated by somebody? Do we hold on to that? Sometimes. Do we hold on to people remember things that somebody did to us ten years ago? And they eat us every time we hear their name, we think about the bad they did to us. And Jesus is saying, forget those. Forgive those people who have hurt us. Because it's not hurting that person necessarily. Right? They may not even remember that it happened. But who's it hurting? You, me, it hurts us. It hurts us in our relationship with God because as we, we hold have strongholds built up because we don't want to let something go, that gets in the way of our ministry with God. It builds up walls as we have times of unforgiveness in our lives. And so we have to be willing to say, I forgive that person. Something I learned in... Uh, Mars at Seminary through counseling stuff is. Did you know that you don't people somebody doesn't have to say they're sorry for you to forgive them? Did you guys know that? I know that seems simple, right? Like you don't have they don't have to apologize. Like I know we tell our kids when they're when they're little, like, go apologize, go say you're sorry, right? And that's something we should do when we hurt somebody. But ultimately, if somebody hurts us. They don't have to say they're sorry for us to be able to forgive them. Isn't that a crazy thought? Like, we don't have to they don't have to say they're sorry for us to let it go. And that's very biblical too, right? Because guess who did that for us? Jesus. Right? He didn't say, I want you to apologize before I get on that cross. He said, I'm gonna get on that cross and forgive you before you even say you're sorry. Before you even seek me, I'm going to say, I love you. I'm going to care for you. And Jesus didn't get the, just get on the cross for the people who were who were going to ultimately get saved. He got that for everybody. So that all may have the option to come to him. And all we have to choose is to say, I want to accept that love that you've given me. I want to accept the payment that you have that you died for me. But we can do this as people too. Right? We can take some of those past hurts that people have done in our lives and we can choose to forgive that person and love that person anyway, even if they've never said, I'm sorry, or that it even hurt us. We can choose to let it go. But it, because ultimately all it does is holding on to that, all that pain, that hurt that, that's deep inside of us that we've hidden away in our lives. All right? In 40 years, I've had a lot of painful things happen in life and I've had to hide some. I've hit some of them and I held on to it and I held on to it and, and all it did was cause me grief and it made me mad at that person. It just got worse and worse and when you let that go, your whole life seems brighter. Everything seems better about life when you just let those painful things go and give it to God and say, God, let me, help me forgive them. Help me get past these moments of anger and bitterness and malice towards this person. Let me, help me get through that and let him take that away from you. Because ultimately all it does is it hinders your relationship with God. And we think that by holding on to it, we're hurting the other person. When in reality, it's only hurting us. They, can, they have to deal with what they did. It's two separate people, two separate thoughts, two separate identities. And they don't have to be linked. We can unlink them. Or we can hold on to them and keep that going. Uh, but Christ is saying, forgive us, God, as we are forgiving the other people around us. And then it finishes off with, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But right? we want to pray for protection from the deceiver, Satan, the evil one, right? We want to pray for that protection from him because Satan's going to try to tempt us. Right? And the stronger you try to lean into Christ and lean into God and become more godly, guess what? Satan's going to try to push harder and harder and harder to get in there and make it seem like it's a bad thing. If God called you to that fat hut where all you didn't get right, Satan's gonna come in and say, look, he doesn't take care of you. He doesn't love you. When in reality, God is loving you right there because he's giving you something to eat. He's giving you so many blessings in that little place because he has a purpose and a plan for you. But Satan's gonna try to sneak in and say, no, you need a nicer house. No, you need more food. No, you need steak. Right? And Satan likes to get in there and dig and dig and dig. Remember that. You remember what so-and-so did to you when you were, before you moved here? It's all his fault. Right? He's going to keep coming at things that you're holding on against God and you have to let those go that's often what the deceiver wants to do is he wants to pull you away from God. He wants to create that separation. He wants you to hold on to those painful moments. He wants you to stay away from God because if we're staying away from God, then we're not giving God's message. If we're not able to show God's love to people because we're pulled away from him, Satan is winning in that moment because we've been distracted. And so we want God to not lead us into temptations, lead us to his will, to his glory, and help us from the evil one. Because that's ultimately where we need to be as Christians. Right? And we can make new laws, we can make new rules to follow. Right? Me and Cindy were talking this morning about like addictions and stuff, and there was a baseball player who struggled with drinking. And so he got signed by a team, and they made new rules for him. They hired a guy specifically to stay with him 24-7. All day long, every day of the week, he stayed with him. That was his job, was to keep this man from drinking. Because he was a great baseball player, but he had an addiction problem. And it worked for years. Until one day, that guy wasn't there. And guess what happened? He didn't have a great character. He was following the rules that were set before him. His character hadn't changed. So, so the moment he had freedom to do whatever and he was there to keep the law, he went right back into drinking. And he relapsed very badly. Right? Because he was living a new law type of life. His character wasn't getting better. His character hadn't changed to become godly. He had just found a new law to follow and there was a new sheriff there keeping him following it. And so as we're going through this, this isn't about adding more to our plates, but allowing God to change us from the inside out. As we started off today, it's a heart issue, not an ability issue, not a world issue. It's our heart not matching up with who God is and not allowing him to change him on the inside and make us greater character because we want to hold on to things that are not godly. So as you pray, try to see it in a new way, right? Acknowledge who God is, right? As you pray to him, acknowledge him. Acknowledge that we want his kingdom to be what's important here on earth and not my own self. Right. Too many of us go and pray, we pray. Your kingdom in heaven, my kingdom here on earth, and you help me work my kingdom out the way it wants it to be. Instead of saying, "Your your kingdom," and "Your kingdom only," give us this day the daily bread. Give me what I need this moment. Give me what I need today, and not let me worry too much about what's in the future, because you have it under control. Forgive us as we're forgiving those around us and help me forgive those around me. Because I can venture a guess that every day somebody does something that could be highly offensive and could highly hurt you in a moment's notice. And that's something new we can keep adding on to it if we don't start the forgiving process. And then deliver us from evil. Deliver us from that evil one. Help us fight back against Satan who wants to deceive us because he has the control. As Cindy comes, let's, let's pray.